Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Broadway and Clark. Your host, Duncan, is, is here tonight with uh, me, Mark, and we are excited to talk to you about what's been going on over the last 10 or 12 days in the MLB. We had the winter meetings that were kind of a big dud uh, until the end, and then we had a couple of deals go down. Then we started hearing a buzz on Wednesday, Thursday, and yesterday, Friday, that an Otani deal was due to be announced. And what did we hear today, Duncan? Oh, only the uh, biggest contract to ever be handed out in baseball history, maybe for the most impactful player in baseball history, a seven or excuse me, 10 year, $700 million deal uh, being handed out to one Shohei Otani. Uh, no details yet that I've seen about how that's going to break down or anything like that, other than just generally looks like there's going to be a lot of deferred money uh, supposedly to help the Dodgers with their luxury tax hit and everything like that, uh, which we'll get into more. But uh, those are the, the general numbers we know so far. So uh, just switching sides, uh, changing colors of the L.A. team he's going to represent and uh, – Going to be staying closer to Japan on the West Coast. I was waiting to hear who the team was that got him. So that would be the one L.A. Dodgers National League juggernauts. Um, arguably the Cardinals' greatest competitive rival. I mean, obviously our rivalry with the Cubs is is the most important. And, you know, over the last number of years with the Brewers and but if you just go for the total their total history in the National League I think most folks would agree that it's the Cardinals and the Dodgers as the historically uh, the two powerhouses of the NL at various times the Giants were very much in that mix and the for the, the 90s last, last generation it's been Atlanta right yeah I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Braves were as pathetic as you could want. <laughs> yeah, um, but all, all you got to do is look up in right field above the scoreboard at, at Bush Stadium to figure out who is uh, the winningest team in the in the NL. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, the flags fly at Bush, and they always will. And uh, we're trying to get another one. So that's that's a lot of what we like to talk about, but. You know, all roads probably go through Los Angeles uh, with this deal. That gives them, what, Mookie leading off, Freddie, is it, is, are, are they going to slot Otani in at number two and then Freddie Freeman to bat third? Is that what's happening? I bet I would imagine they're probably going to go Freeman number two uh, in, the, in the two hole, just given his on-base numbers. Okay. Uh, I haven't, like specifically compared them uh him versus otani but i know freddie is a huge on-base guy so i would think maybe that and then my favorite dodger the one who i'm able to be a fan of even though i don't like his team looks like mr smith is going to be the cleanup man which is a little bit ambitious i think unless they make a move and do something i don't know uh, and then they've got, I think, uh, 
probably Muncie slat, slotted in at fifth. And then they don't have they're they get a little they get a little weak in the lineup pretty quickly after that. You've got Yeah, they've got, got Outman, Taylor, Chris Taylor, Jason Hayward, and yep. Gavin Lux is kind of the projection right now. So exactly. like higher yep. floor ish guys. Uh, but they've got yeah. the money to do that. Uh, so they've got their stars and then some higher floor guys. I mean, a guy like Jay Tay could be nothing and he could, you know, actually do pretty well. I mean, he they they arguably took him off the scrap heap last fall. So Yeah, yeah. Um, but he performed well for him and he was a starter in the playoffs. So that's Every team loves it when it works out that way for them. I don't know if I project 162 games of Jason Hayward and, you know, even even down in the seven or eight hole uh, to be something that is really tenable. But like most teams, they've got bench players. They've got minor leaguers, you know, young prospects. So I guess if we got – if they – they got 400 ABs or plate appearances out of Hayward, and you know he was able to hit 240 with 18 to 20 bombs or something. They'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think He's so. A, yeah, but what about so 70 million dollars <laughs> a year? It's absolutely insane to really think about that. Absolutely insane. Now. He's not going to be making $70 million every year. That's just kind of what the AAV or average annual value works out to. But even right. so, I mean, you think about what $700 million is to. I mean, what was uh, – I had heard that he's like $250 million more than the next highest paid uh, MLB player, which is a player yeah. he played with in center field, Mike Trout. Yeah, which is insane. Two hundred fifty million dollars more than what Mike Trout is making on his deal, and he's right up there. He beat what Messi's contract was. Yep, uh, Messi slotted in around six seventy nine. Uh, what's interesting is that that contract ended like two years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it just you know, it, it's rarefied air. Absolutely. You know, the largest yeah. contract in history of, of American professional sports, arguably the, lo- the largest sports contract. Well, maybe not ever because if, I mean, especially if you start weighing in with drivers and, you know, or start looking at, uh, you know, like a golfer over a 10-year period, Tiger, I'm sure, exceeded that. But but just strictly the the... Uh, but if you look at it in terms of winnings for either of those two drivers or golfers, they wouldn't come close to seventy million in a year. Um, yeah, so uh, it it there's a lot of buzz, a lot of people. You know, they're making all the comparisons. I think his uh, the salary on the books, well, the seventy million if it was on the books, because a big part of this. And uh, it's being reported that Shohei did this, was he chose to defer quite a bit. Yes. The speculation is that for 2024, it looks like it's going to be about a $45 million hit on that competitive balance scale they use to figure the tax. 
so that potentially gives the Dodgers an opportunity to go look for some more pitching or, I mean, in terms of the cash, we all know that the Dodgers along with a handful of other clubs really have no limit. I mean, there's a self-imposed limit, but if they need, if they need to find $10 million to go out and get a closer, you know, or a, a reliever in July at the trade deadline, they can do that every day. It's never there's the meetings don't take that long, you know, right. to 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 approve an expenditure like that. Now, I'm not talking about a baseball decision. I'm talking about just purely having the cash. And, you know, they're, uh, they're fortunate for them. They're in a group of, you know, maybe five teams that can essentially say that. Their owners are wealthy enough. They play in the largest media markets. Uh, they have tremendous local broadcast deals. And so all those factors, and none of this is news. This has been true for really the whole free agent era, but it really kicked in probably the early 90s when you know teams just started becoming so much more mercenary about free agents and about willing to you know just take a guy. I mean, George Steinbrenner kind of had the he had the belt for a long time as the undisputed champ of that strategy, <laughs> but. It's a copycat sport like most sports. And the other front offices, you know, they employ guys that went to, you know, prestigious universities as well. So they've copied that. And the Dodgers really over the last decade probably have spent the most. And you think anybody spent more than them over the last 10 years? Not in the last last decade, but only a few years ago, Steve Cohen stepped in the room and said, hold my beer and just wait until you see what I do over the next decade. So yeah. you never and, know. And yeah, that's a great point. And he jumped and he jumped out of it. Uh, you know, he did that thing. I don't know if it's all new owners only, but he definitely, uh, you know, he didn't want to hear about sunk costs and opportunity costs. And he was like, <laughs> see you, Justin, you know, uh, see you to uh, his other buddy. Um, they, they got off those contracts or some of them only, I think, to potentially go back out. Like if they were to get a Yamamoto, that would not surprise me. Um, I would love to get him still, and I know you feel the same way. But yeah, seventy million with the deferral. Like I said, the the estimates, and we don't have the 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 actual detail. Um, looks like it's going to be anywhere from forty five to fifty. I haven't. I mean, I haven't done any kind of deep dive. I haven't looked for or seen anything yet on the overall payroll for the Dodgers next year and what this means for their taxes. But again, the taxes are just money. There's no negative consequence as long as you're willing to spend money, right? Yeah. Well, like you think NBA about it too. Like, that. Oh, go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to say you think about – you mentioned it's going to be like a 40 or 50 million dollar hit for them you think about <laughs> just the context of that and you're just like yeah 40 or 50 million dollars is going to give them a huge discount so they like it's not as big of a hit for them it's like that's still 40 or 50 million dollars for a single player 
on their payroll for the year. That's crazy. And not just this year, but that's going to be, like, ongoing, which is nuts to think about. I mean, like, when you think about back when Trevor Bauer got his deal uh, with the Dodgers, it was, what, 35 or 4? I can't remember the exact number, but it was, like, between 35 and 45, something like that. It was only like a two or three year deal and just went super high AAV and everybody thought that was insane. And now we're just throwing around these numbers with Otani and that's just like, oh, that's a nice like discount for them. So they it's not as big of a hit. And it's like it's still a huge hit for them. But like you said, they're the Dodgers. They can just throw some money around and, and not really be too concerned about it. Yeah. And the the players that are sitting at home already stacking their millions because they think they're going to slot right in below Shohei, uh, I got news for him. That's not how it's going to work. Shohei is being valued as if he's two players. And you cannot discount that. Uh, This year he had a 10 war after like like two nines or or a nine and a, a high eight the two prior years. And it's because he affects the game in so many ways. So, obviously, next year he doesn't pitch. So, even if he has an outstanding offensive season, which he did this year, he had arguably the best offensive season in the league other than Ronald Acuna. Um, You know, Mookie had a very good year. All the stars, you know, not all, but a number of the stars had good seasons. But his was arguably the best, especially when you consider he only played – about 80% of it, because after he got hurt, they shut him down when they were out of it, which I guess credit to them, but it feels like the Angels come out of this thing, you know, holding the bag pretty pretty badly, but they knew it. They knew it was coming. They could have traded him at the trade deadline and got something, and now they don't. That That's, uh, that's unfortunate, but I mean, I guess they have no one to blame but themselves. When you own an asset or control it, because you never really own a player, um, you know, he's yours to lose at that point. Right. And that's, that's exactly what happened here. I mean, you know, a lot of folks would say, well, no, they didn't lose them last week. They lost them over the last six years when they could never win, when this guy's putting up, you know, unprecedented numbers as a two-way player. So that's fair. I think all that's fair. I I think that in terms of the historical precedent of the sport, you know, unless we want to try to forget any history, you know, exists at all, you know, we have to acknowledge again, he's going to one one of the signature clubs in the game. Uh, he is in L.A. You know, I saw people online saying, oh, you know, he's on the East Coast. Nobody's going to see him. I don't think that's a problem for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers have fans all over the world, just like all the other big name teams do. Yeah, they're going to be just uh, fine. Nationally, yeah. baseball is going to be just fine, too. So, Yeah, the only thing that the only thing that he could do if he chose, and I'm not saying he has to, but if he ever wanted to extend his reach a little bit as an ambassador of the sport in the face of the sport, 
you know, if he could embrace English maybe to some extent or just find ways to be more accessible uh, to, you know, the common fan, that uh, would do nothing but help him. But again, if he's not, if that's not him, that's not him, right? Yeah. And there's, there's, I don't know that that constitutes then a discount for his services. And the Dodgers, arguably, I mean, you know, after after what five fifty, who were they bidding against? <laughs> right. Uh, I saw one thing out there that said, uh, according to, you know, another exec that was definitely on the negotiations, uh, the quote was, uh, we certainly weren't in at six ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's oh, a good quote. One. I like that. I got a chuckle out of that one. That's pretty uh, good. In terms well, of what it does for the Dodgers, Competitively, I mean, obviously it makes their lineup stronger at the top. We talked about where we thought he would be. Uh, you know, with the universal DH, he can he can fill that role as often as, you know, he needs to. But you got any other thoughts about him as a as a new Dodger? Uh, nothing huge. I was going to say as the season gets closer, we'll, you know, dive a little bit deeper into maybe some projections not on the Dodgers specifically, but just like uh, on the NL uh, in terms of where the Cardinals stand. And certainly we'll be talking about the Dodgers to some degree because also uh, the Cardinals will be in L.A. for uh, Otani's home debut in uh, in Dodger Blue. Uh, Sonny Gray likely to be pitching in that one. Uh, so we're going to get to see that uh, as Cardinal fans, too, uh, up close and personal, which will be kind of fun. So, uh, yeah, I but, yeah. saw that uh, the uh, excitement for the Sonny Gray, Gray start has got them sold out for opening day. <laughs> I did, <And>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tickets are going for about 360 if you if you want to get one way up high. Sonny's out um, there blushing right now. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, the whole Cardinal staff is – has really become a road sell that we expected it to be. So we get it. We understand yeah. what's happening. Lance is saying, for me, coming back to L.A., you're doing this all for me. Right. Right. <laughs> Jason well, Hayward, like, Paxton, the boys, who wants to get right. dinner? You know, right, that kind right. of thing. Um, well, and well, so then. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, you, you had something to say. Go, go, go. No, no, no. I was just going to transition us over. I was going to say that's uh, the biggest move in the NL. Um, flip over to the biggest move in the AL so far in uh, a deal happening over on the East Coast. You want to uh, outline that one? You're going You're going the exact place I was going to go, and thank you for getting us there. Uh, the Padres, who were another one of those larger market clubs, have over the recent decade or so you know, really tried to make their mark on the game. Uh, they've got a nice team with Machado and Tatis and the rest of the guys they have. Um, they went ahead and saw, uh, traded, didn't sell, traded the guy that they spent quite a bit for a year and a half ago, right? Wasn't it at the trade line, deadline of 2022, I believe? Yeah, uh, yeah, year and a half. They, 
Yeah, they spent a lot of money to get Juan Soto, one of the best young hitters in the game, probably, you know, slots in somewhere between four and six uh, of the best hitters in baseball right now, roughly. Maybe higher. Some people might have him higher than four. I don't know. Uh, But he uh, was traded to the New York Yankees. So we're only talking about, you know, we're – the uh, <laughs> you know the Miami Marlins probably aren't getting a mention on this pod other than the one I just gave them right there. So if you're a Marlins fan listening to us, uh, just use this as an opportunity to find out what's going on in some of the other places around the leagues. But the New York Yankees, the uh, jewel of the sport, you know, the Bronx Bombers, they continue their tradition. And did they get a hitter, Duncan, that is just – tailor-made for Yankee Stadium in this club? I mean, I, I think he, he is and he isn't at the same time. He, The only reason I say he isn't is just because, you know, Yankee Stadium, it's, it's the classic stadium for a lefty pole hitter to utilize that short porch and right, uh, in right center. Um, but the yep. only reason I say that he's not is just because he's so good going the opposite way. It's kind of ridiculous, but it doesn't mean that it, that's his sole, the sole way that he hits. Uh, but he does hit for a lot of power the opposite field, too. So he's not like a strict pull hitter like they've had with like Rizzo or something like that. And, and kind of that thought he Rizzo's much more of a pull hitter. Uh, but he's going to play phenomenally, especially you know on the de- defensive side of the ball too. Being in right field, likely a little bit smaller right field for him to play, maybe cover up some of those defensive defensive deficiencies that he may have too. So I think he's going to be great there. Um, only have him for a single year, and I don't project him to uh, sign any kind of extension uh, with the Yankees. Is absolutely going to be going to. Uh, free agency at the very least maybe he resigns with the Yankees but uh, no chance of an extension or anything like that he already turned down 440 million dollars with the Nationals granted I can't imagine him wanting to be in Washington long term but he's going to want to go to free agency get the Otani treatment and say you know what you guys across the league come come uh, come to the table with your best offers then go away then come back again and we're going to do it again and and up it every single time, and he's going to get as much money as he possibly can with Boris as his client or as his agent for sure. Absolutely, I think you're 100 percent on the mark on all comments you just made. The I'm I'm not, you know, on its face, the only one year, uh, maybe maybe that makes me a little bit mad. Uh, what did they what about give it? up for him? They gave up. It was five players because they also uh, got Yankees got Trent Grisham in the deal. That's right. Who's serviceable, right? He's yeah. he's he's a guy that he'll stick on the he'll 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 make the roster and be a regular player, right? I mean, I don't know if he'll start, but he'll do he'll he'll play, yeah, right? Likely a, a fourth outfielder, late game defensive replacement, that kind of a thing. So yeah. he'll be a good player for them too. But the biggest names they gave back, uh, Michael King is probably the biggest one. Um, and now the other name is escaping me off the top of my head while I try to pull it up here. Um, but a couple pitchers going back to the, the Padres that are probably going to slot in in their rotation. 
um, and have useful um, or taken on um, a decent amount of innings throughout the year uh, for the Padres with the big league club this initial about, year when they come what over. What about so. the catching prospect? Is he is he the real deal? Is is he Japanese? Uh, Kyle Higashioka? No, he's he played for the U.S. for um, the WBC. But okay. uh, but the I assume I'd have to look it up. Maybe his ancestry is um, Japanese. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, but he's not from Japan. Not that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's born in in California. Um. But anyways, uh, he he's been him and Gary Sanchez really have been. Uh, behind the plate with the Yankees. He's been with the big, big club since 2017. So not a prospect anymore. Serviceable guy, probably more of a defense first, uh, catcher for sure. Uh, but I think he'll be good serviceable for them for sure. Gotcha. So, I mean, my thoughts on it from, from a Yankee perspective, I think it's like the quintessential Yankees move. You're going to have a guy for a single year and you're absolutely, destroying your farm system i I mean i think about it from a cardinals perspective say that these were this was a cardinals trade and we got soto and trent grisham and we gave up let's see what would would we be giving up like uh grisefo mcgreevy drew (laughs) rob you know that kind of thing yeah and i mean if we absolutely depleted our pitching in our, Hel- uh, oh, and Helsley too, because didn't that didn't yeah. the Padres get back a closer? I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I but think yeah, I mean, did. people would be up in arms if that was the case uh, with the Cardinals for a single year of a guy that we know for sure that we're not going to uh, sign long term as far as an extension goes. Um, but I think right. it's a it's a quintessential Yankees move that's trying to capitalize on the Yankees brand uh, right. and trying to show that. Oh yeah, we're the biggest and baddest team around, and we can just throw money around, and we don't care about our prospects, and we're just going to have the guys with the biggest cachet uh, on our team. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to, you know, backfire in their face in terms of. I don't think this is the move that's going to be like, yeah, the Yankees are winning the World Series now. Uh, no, that's versus a good like point. if if he went, say he went to like the Phillies, you'd be like, oh man, okay. That's a dangerous lineup now. The Phillies might be like way overpowering for any team now. I don't feel like that with the Yankees after getting Soto. So for a guy that you're only going to have for a single season, I don't. I don't think that's going to pay off long term for the Yankees, and they're going to be hurting for pitching, especially after this year. Well, and you do wonder if they had some indication. I mean, you're right, it's Boris, but he still has to, you know, he does have a finite number of dance partners to choose from. True. And, uh, and I mean, he, he, the one thing I will say for the guy, like if I had a son that was that good, uh, I might have to hold my nose a little bit, but it wouldn't break my heart if Scott Boris was out there negotiating his next deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to I got to give him that as much as, you know, I think he's part of some of the problems with the sport. I don't, you know, I, I don't uh, look at, you know, Juan or anybody else harshly for choosing that representation. It just makes it harder for me as a Cardinals fan 
because I know the thing that Boris values, you know, almost more than anything, which is that total number, that bottom line. Uh, you know, it's not going to be often we're going to be the, the winners of that kind of a competition. So it makes it a little tougher. Uh, he's a great player, great player, but he's, you know, it's this time of year because you have to single out the individual talent and try to value that. It's easy to forget that a, it's always in a contact. So it's as part of a team. And B, the impact of that individual is very difficult to take out of any context as well. So in other words, like you said, if he would have went to Philly to take them over the top, you could argue that's invaluable. I mean, if it takes you from, you know, a division contestant, maybe even winner, uh, to, you know, kind of a, a nailed-on World Series participant, you know, those are two very different things. And, uh, you know, and, and I think you, you really hit the essence of, you know, why if I'm a Yankees fan today, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying because I got Juan Soto. I, I love it. <laughs> but it certainly doesn't. It, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm that much closer to a World Series championship than I was yesterday. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Any well, other thoughts on uh, Juan Soto or any other uh, moves and stuff that we've uh, been seeing before we hop into something different? No, I mean, uh, a couple other teams have done a few other things. I don't think anything earth-shattering anywhere. Didn't Erod just sign a deal? Um, where is he going? He just signed, I think it was the last night or yesterday. Um, yeah, he went to the D-backs. That was the D-backs deal. Okay, yep, okay. But we did mention earlier that, or at the beginning of the pod, that the uh, winter meetings were kind of a bust this year, and they kind of were. Uh, there's a couple more deals that we're going to want to talk about, but I think I think this might be a good place to kind of cut this and uh, maybe regroup and over the next period of time, as soon as we get an opportunity to potentially uh, look at the Cardinals in more depth. Uh, they have made a, a, especially one notable deal, and uh, they're working a little bit around the margins, but I think it's really starting to come back, you know, to come into real focus. Pardon me, what we're going to look like. So I think that's that's kind of where I stand right now. Was there... Is there anything else nationally that that we would be remiss for not mentioning? Nothing else I can think of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really so. Not much, not much at all. Yeah. So definitely, uh, like we mentioned, there's a, a Cardinals move we're going to be talking about very soon, very shortly. Yep. But we definitely wanted to get something out here since uh, the the biggest name on the market uh, finally is no more on the market. So. Uh, we wanted to get something out to at least talk about that uh, kind of an obligation as far as that goes. So but we'll be back in, in a bit. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good time. 
thanks for getting together. Uh, hopefully we provided a little insight or at least our thoughts on arguably, well, not arguably, on by far the biggest signing in the history of Major League Baseball for arguably the, the most interesting player. I don't know if you read Otani's uh, little comments that he made. I guess it was a press release or whatever. Obviously, it was written for him. But the sentiment was uh, pretty interesting and pretty, I mean, anybody who doubts how much of a amazing person this guy is, is either is just a miserable human being or I don't know what to tell him. Because even in his comments, he's like, oh, I'm going to do everything I can, everything in my power. And, and none, of it, none of what he says ever rings false for me. I just think he's a very genuine individual, you know, maybe from a culture that we don't always understand that much. But, I mean, the numbers, you know, in a sport that values its numbers sometimes above everything, especially when we tend to ignore the most important numbers sometimes. Uh, he, uh, he's got all of those. Plus he just seems like a amazing dude. <laughs> Who was it? Uh, I don't know. I was looking at some of the other MLB players were just losing their minds. Oh, Kiki Hernandez, uh, uh, tweeted out something like anybody know where I can find uh, a service to help me get my jaw off the ground or whatever. <laughs> That's pretty Everybody's good. Everybody's freaking out. All right, Duncan. Well, uh, what else? Is that it? We done for now? Let's do it. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll be back to talk a little more Cardinals uh, very soon. All righty. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.